0: In the name of a God who accompanies us in our wilderness. Amen. Amen. After the devastating flood, there was a rainbow, a promise that God would never again be the cause of our suffering. The gospel. Jesus was tended to by angels in the wilderness. Sometimes this is all I need to know, all I really needed to hear of today's readings, all I can take in. There was a deadly flood, but it dried up, and God's promise and protection was painted across the sky. There was wilderness, but in the wilderness there were angels, angels who tended to a tired, hungry, struggling Jesus. On Wednesday, our Lenten journey began, and we were marked in ash with the sign of the cross, remembering that death is inevitable on this earthly journey for all of us. And then we turned on the news and saw the death of 17 in a school, and our souls collectively moaned, no. No, not again. And we saw the faces of young ones lost and cried, No, no, not yet. It is not your turn to return to the dust. It does not delete the anguish. But thank God that death is never the end of the story, not for them and not for us. Thank God that Easter will come. Thank God that there are angels in the wilderness. And right now, thank God for the empathetic arms of Lent. More often than not, Lent meets us where we are. Lent names our wilderness, our grief and our distress. And in the darkness before dawn. Lent reminds us of the angels who tend to us. If you need to stay with the angels this morning and rest in some quiet and care, I invite you to stop listening to me. Really. And just meditate on the cover of your bulletin. Where not only an angel, but also a smiling goat and a curious rabbit are watching over Jesus as he rests. (laughs) Or if you're feeling like being a little bit more adventurous, you can turn to page 13 and just trace the prayer labyrinth with your finger while I speak. And let God take you where God wants to take you. It's okay to just let yourself rest with Jesus today. But if you're feeling like you can be pushed a little, stay with me. Lent meets us where we are, but it does not leave us where it found us. It's engaged. It's difficult. It challenges us. Lent sheds a light on the darkness. We began our worship today with the great litany. And in that litany, you heard the words evil, wickedness, Sin, assaults of the devil, and everlasting damnation. And that was just the first page. Now, these are not words and phrases that we Episcopalians like to spend a lot of time on. We even prayed this morning for the strength to be able to stomp down Satan under our feet. We don't talk much about Satan. In our church, because we hold a broad variety of views on who or what exactly Satan might be. Is Satan the darkness that exists in each of us? Is it really a fallen angel who tries to pull us from the love of God and turn us against one another? Is it the energy force behind school shootings and abuse, greed and hatred? Partisanship and division. Maybe. Honestly, I don't know for sure. What I do know is that there is evil. I have seen it. I have known myself to embody it. Now, it is not the core of our nature, as some shame inducing traditions may have us believe. Rather, it pulls us from our core where God's image is stamped on us, and it disorients us. Lent comes to name evil, disempower it, abolish it, and reorient us to all that is good and right and true. I have come to know this process of reorientation as something that requires wilderness, I don't know exactly why that is. Maybe it's that wilderness has more space or wilderness wakes our senses up, shakes us a bit, breaks us out of our routines or forces us to ask difficult questions and seek deeper answers. We're often tempted to think of wilderness as only something inflicted upon us. And sometimes it is. Natural disaster and violent attacks seem beyond our control. Grief and depression are both wildernesses, sickness and loneliness, job loss, relocation, memory loss, and trauma. They're all wildernesses that happen to us. But what about the wildernesses that we choose? There's a story that keeps surfacing online. Ernie sent it to Nancy and I this week. It's about a teacher who, ever since Columbine, every Friday, has been having her fifth graders anonymously write down the names of fellow students who they want to sit with the next week. And they're asked to write down the names of students who they think are good citizens. And then this teacher, when she is alone, she spreads out all their papers and enters the wilderness of the fifth grade social world. And looks for patterns. Who's left out? Who doesn't seem to have any friends? Who doesn't list anyone? Who's never named? Who needs help, guidance, or a listening ear? She doesn't want any of them to slip through the cracks, and so she opts in to their wilderness. Optional wilderness is joining others in the wildernesses that they have little or no control over. Optional wilderness is leaving unfulfilling work to start something new and risky because it better meets the needs of the world. Optional wilderness is relentless calls to our representatives, even when it feels like it does no good. Optional wilderness is a day without screens, or a weekend of silence, or a week in the woods alone, or therapy, whatever it takes for you to go deeper. Optional wilderness is the process of looking in the mirror and courageously, humbly, seeing how we are a part of the problem so that we can reorient ourselves and become part of the solution. Wilderness, optional or not, is not easy It's not always safe. Sometimes it's not advisable to go there if we have the choice. But listen for the Spirit. Listen to see if and when and where the Spirit is telling you to go. You see, it was the Spirit who drove Jesus into a wilderness experience that equipped him for three years of the most powerful ministry this world has ever experienced. The Spirit knows what we need, knows what our world needs, and knows how to connect our lives to the needs of the world and the work of God in this world. And so it would be good, I think, for each of us to ask ourselves, what wilderness is the Spirit of God calling us to this Lent? And to what end? Where is the Spirit driving our hearts? And will we go? Will we go knowing that angels will attend to us? Knowing that at the end of the storm there will be a rainbow and God's promise, and it just might be powerful enough to leave a tomb empty and a world changed and healed? And if we go into the wilderness, what then? At the end of 40 days, Jesus walked out of the wilderness and began to change the world around him with the power of love. Guided by the Spirit, accompanied by angels, and reoriented to the goodness of our true nature, we must do Likewise. Amen.